My name is Michael Block and I'm a partner in the UK equity capital markets practice. I'm joined today by my fellow UK ECM partner James Rowe and senior professional support lawyer Anne Kirkwood to discuss key points for action or consideration to assist issuers and other participants in the equity capital markets in preparing for the end of the Brexit transition period on 31st of December. Whilst Brexit formally happened when the UK left the European Union on 31st of January 2020, the UK has been treated as a member state under EU law during the transition period established by the EU-UK withdrawal agreement. It is still unclear whether the EU and the UK will reach a free trade agreement governing the future relationship. It is unlikely that any free trade agreement that the UK government manages to secure will have any noticeable impact in the equity capital market space. So preparing for the end of the transition period is the main focus. Even if there is a successful outcome to negotiations, the UK is still expected to leave the single market on 31st of December, and any free trade agreement is unlikely to have an impact on the equity capital markets. Provision has been made to ensure that the UK has a functioning statute book in that event. The UK's European Union Withdrawal Act 2018 will onshore relevant EU law, such as the existing prospectus, market abuse and transparency regimes, as is at the end of the transition period, into UK domestic law and preserve laws made in the UK to implement EU obligations, such as the relevant elements of Part 6 of the Financial Services and Markets Act. This body of law will be known as retained EU law. Adjustments will then be made to it to reflect the UK's position outside the EU. Even so, the UK prospectus transparency and market abuse regimes will, in the main, still mirror the existing regimes from January 2021 albeit with the potential for subsequent divergence. So let's look at typical questions from market participants. Developments are still possible and we intend to update this material if so. As explained, the European Union Withdrawal Act will preserve the existing prospectus regime and secondary legislation as it applies to issuers of shares in the UK, with tweaks to reflect the UK's new position outside the EU. Will any rights be lost? Yes. Prospectus passporting rights between the EU and the UK will end. The UK will be treated as a third country by the EU and the UK will treat EU27 and EEA countries as third countries. This means that prospectuses used in the UK will need to be approved by the FCA. There will no longer be reciprocity of recognition by the UK of EEA state approved prospectuses or by EEA countries of UK approved prospectuses. Thanks, James. Are there any provisions which allow issuers to use a prospectus that has already been passported by the end of the transition period to access the UK or EU markets on a non-exempt basis? Thank you, Michael. The UK has covered this situation such that prospectuses passported into the UK before the end of the transition period may be used in the UK until their validity expires. This means that if an EU-approved prospectus has been passported into the UK before the end of the transition period, it will be possible for the issuer to use it in the UK for a retail offer from January 2021 during its remaining life. The EU have not reciprocated regarding UK prospectuses passported into the EEA. ESMA has stated that prospectuses and supplements approved by the UK FCA and passported to the EEA states before the end of the transition period cannot be used in the EEA after the end of the transition period. So issuers with FCA approved prospectuses 
wanting to access the EU EEA on a non-exempt basis would also need to get their prospectus approved by an EU 27 EEA competent authority. ESMA sets out its position in question 16.2 of ESMA's Q&A on the prospectus regulation. I see it is reported in the media that the European Commission may soon make decisions on whether to grant equivalence to the UK's post-Brexit legislative regime. Yes, James, the EU's determinations regarding whether elements of the UK's laws or practice are sufficient to satisfy the EU equivalence tests are reported to be imminent. However, ESMA have already said that the equivalence mechanism under the prospectus regulation is not fit for purpose. So a grant of equivalence in respect of prospectuses prepared under UK law and approved by the FCA to those prepared under the EU prospectus regulation seems unlikely. More positively, the existing equivalence decisions on presentation of historic financial information in a prospectus will be domesticated into the UK as retained EU law. Also, HM Treasury will issue an equivalence decision that EU-adopted IFRS can be used in the UK for prospectus and transparency purposes. Anne, what will the status of ESMA guidance be? For example, what ESMA prospectus disclosure guidance will apply in the UK? In the equity capital market sphere, the FCA has recognised the value of existing ESMA Level 3 material, such as its guidelines on risk factors, recommendations and Q&A, and has decided that it will continue to apply it after the end of the transition period to the extent relevant to the UK's position outside the EU. As such, market participants will be expected to continue to apply this type of ESMA content as it stands at the end of the transition period, although we'll need to interpret it sensibly and purposively, taking into account the UK's withdrawal. So, for example, the familiar content regarding risk factors and alternative performance measures will be carried forward in the UK. However, regarding prospectus guidance... UK issuers should continue to have regard to ESMA's 2013 Prospectus Directive recommendations. The FCA will consult in due course on its approach to ESMA's 2020 Prospectus guidelines. This is because the 2020 guidelines will only come into application in the EEA after the end of the transition period and so will still be in draft at the end of December. So, Michael, as the concept of free float originates from an EU directive, we know the legislation will be domesticated into UK law. Are any changes to free float in the pipeline? Yes, from January 2021, the 25% free float will include shares held by the public in any jurisdiction, whether listed there or not. The FCA consulted on tweaks to the wording of Listing Rule 6.14, as it will apply from January 2021, to achieve this effect. To maintain London's competitive position, HM Treasury has launched a call for evidence about whether free float is the optimum mechanism to ensure there is liquidity in the issuer's shares. We expect to return to this topic in the next edition of this podcast. James, what adjustments will be required to standard wording and documentation for share issues? From the beginning of 2021, market participants will need to reflect UK-related updates to selling restrictions and to legends in documentation and may also need to update various other statements and references to EU legislation and concepts. I'll give a quick sense of a couple of areas for consideration. We know that public offer selling restrictions for equity transactions will need to be amended to reflect the end of the transition period. Removing references to the UK in the EEA public offer restriction, 
and adding a standalone public offer restriction for the UK. The UK restriction mirrors the EEA public offer restriction as UK law will still follow the EU framework in this area. AFME is currently revisiting its standard wording. Product governance legends for use by UK manufacturers will also need to be amended to reflect the fact that the UK will not be a member state and will have its own product governance requirements set out in the FCA handbook. Banks that prefer to include accidental customer language will need to consider which entity, EEA or UK, will be underwriting and whether a MIFID service or UK equivalent is being provided to investors or whether the CFC exemption can apply. James, shall we touch on the topic of English law jurisdiction clauses in ECM underwriting agreements post-Brexit? Thank you, Anne. We know that there are a variety of reasons why parties to equity capital markets underwriting agreements have historically chosen English law asymmetric or hybrid jurisdiction clauses. These reasons still stand today. These hybrid clauses are still likely to be respected and English judgments are still likely to be enforceable in EU member states under national law in the majority of cases, albeit that the process may be more time consuming and costly. There is no authority of the European Court of Justice in this area. You would need to take local advice to confirm the position as it is not entirely clear. It remains the case parties should continue to assess whether a hybrid clause is appropriate in the specific circumstances. There's more information about jurisdiction clauses and enforcement in various publications on Alan Overy's website. Let's move on to the market abuse regulation. It will be converted into UK domestic law as is. At a headline level, we know that many of the core provisions applicable to issuers of shares will be the same from 1 January. For example, it retains broadly the same scope of financial instruments admitted to trading on UK and EU trading venues. There are no policy changes in the onshore UK requirements relating to market soundings, insider lists, or to the prohibitions on unlawful disclosure of inside information, insider dealing and market manipulation. The same exemptions are available for issuers undertaking share buybacks and stabilisations, and the content and format of PDMR transaction notifications remains the same. With an eye on UK onshoring of the market abuse regulation, are there any overlaps in the EU's application of EU MAR and the UK's application of UK MAR? I'd note ESMA's and the FCA's expectations regarding share buyback or stabilisation activity. Share buyback or stabilisation activity on EU trading venues will potentially be within the scope of both EU MAR and UK MAR. You will see that ESMA's MAR review discusses the current EU regime and the fact that share buybacks or stabilisation activity could potentially be reported to several national competent authorities where the relevant shares are admitted to trading on their markets. Where a share is admitted to trading on a UK trading venue, the FCA is also likely to expect such activity to be reported to them. We mentioned the potential for future divergence between the UK and the EU market abuse regimes post-Brexit. And should we look at any anticipated changes? Yes. For the UK, I would single out the UK's Financial Services Bill. It has received its first reading in Parliament. It would bring a welcome change to the UK PDMR dealing notification period, allowing issuers two business days from receipt of the notification of the dealing to announce this to the market. That's in contrast to the current requirement, which squeezes the notification by the PDMR to the issuer and by the issuer to the market into the same window of three business days from the dealing. 
There's also a clarification that an issuer and persons acting on its behalf must maintain an insider list when in possession of inside information. Regarding the EU, I expect there will be some changes to the EU MAR regime as a result of the review of MAR that is taking place. This is the first of the periodic reviews which are hardwired into EU MAR itself. It would be premature to comment as the Commission is still considering ESMA's proposals and I think we'll comment in a future podcast in this series. James, are there any changes a main market UK listed company would want to consider making now to its MAR related policies or systems and controls? Yes, it is advisable to update MAR policies and procedures and related training to reflect the end of the transition period, given the importance the FCA attaches to these as part of an issuer's listing principle one compliance. As well as updating the references and policies and other documentation that we've mentioned, I'd note the potential impact of extra FCA scrutiny regarding the use of the mechanism under MAR Article 17, which permits delay in disclosure of inside information. You may recall that a detailed notification has to be submitted to the FCA at the same time as the inside information is announced to the market. This increased FCA oversight follows a review the FCA has undertaken into the use by UK issuers of the mechanism, which is published in its primary market bulletin number 31. The FCA has identified two main areas of focus for this additional scrutiny of use of the delay mechanism. Unscheduled financial information. As is more challenging to find a legitimate basis to delay this than scheduled information. Director board changes as ESMA's non-exhausted guidance does not identify these as legitimate basis for use of the delay mechanism. Michael, will the Transparency Directive also be converted into domestic law as it stands? Yes, UKTD preserves the existing regime as it applies to issuers in the UK. Issuers will be required to comply with the transparency rules, which are in DTRs 4, 5 and 6, about filing, notification and dissemination of regulated information if required to comply with the corresponding requirements in an EEA member state. Pursuant to an equivalence direction, issuers can continue to prepare financial statements for use in prospectuses and annual or interim accounts in accordance with EU-adopted IFRS. To help us we all adjust to life post-Brexit, given that the location of the legislation and regulation is changing, we have assembled short documents explaining the main changes and signposts to this material. You may find copies of the two pages referred to in this podcast on Airno Hub, our client-facing knowledge portal. Please also see our updated publication and for more information, please contact one of us if you have any questions. Mm-hmm.